0: bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, as we come before you this day, on this Sunday of the transfiguration, remind us that it is the power of your spirit and your word which changes us, that 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 change comes to us only because of what Christ did for us on the cross. We ask you, O Heavenly Father, to strengthen us, to lift us up, and to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Extreme makeover. It's taken many forms and many ways in our culture from changing our looks to somehow having a whole house uh, uh, either made over or torn down and replaced in a matter of a, a week or so. Incredible what we can do as human beings to alter our looks or even to alter the structures of things around us. When we talk about makeovers, if you will, on this day of the transfiguration of our Lord, we're reminded in our gospel lesson of that event that took place on the Mount of Transfiguration, Where Jesus, as the scriptures tell us, was transformed or transfigured before their very eyes. That his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And that appearing with him on that mountain were both Moses and Elijah. And they were talking with him. And we know from other scriptures that he's talking with them about the things that must happen. The things that must come. That he's going to go up to Jerusalem. That he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful man and that he's going to be crucified. We know. And so we might take a look for a moment at the life of Christ himself where as he's teaching his disciples and teaching and healing and and transforming and transfiguring the lives of people around him with the the power of the word that, that he himself, he himself goes through a transformation or a transfiguration as you will. You see, His makeover is pretty extreme. First, we know that he is beaten to within an inch of his life. He's whipped. He's not that handsome figure anymore. He's received the whipping that will scar his physical body to all of eternity. And if that's not enough, we know that he is crucified on a cross until he dies. You wanna talk about an extreme makeover, a true transfiguration. The scriptures tell us that he who knew no sin became sin for us. He who is holy and perfect and without blemish is scarred by the whipping, by the crown of thorns, by the nails through his hands and his feet. And in that act, the scriptures remind us that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, here's a picture of a sinner. Might be you, might be me. And what Christ does. To each and every sinner, he washes away our sins when we come before him and we acknowledge our sin. He washes them away and scripture reminds us that he tosses them away as far as the east is from the west. And that he will remember them no more. Now, pause for a moment here and think. You don't need to raise hands or anything But most of us can remember back in our lives of sinful things that we have done. And they're still etched into our memories. And when we start to think about some of them, we might even wince a little bit and go, oof, ah, ow. We remember them. But you know what God sees when he looks at us? When we have been redeemed by Christ, when we have been washed clean with the blood of the Lamb of God, when He looks at us, He doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees His Son. He sees the blood that was shed to redeem us, to make us whole, to transform and to transfigure our lives. And that happens by the power of the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming us and making us new and different and clean and holy. Let's take a look at that sinner again. You know how they always do on those extreme makeovers, the before and after pictures, right? Let's look at that sinner once again. Oh, wait a minute, pastor, that's the same picture. You're right. Because you see, when Jesus touches our lives, we don't necessarily look any different. The world sees us in the same way. You might have been a sinner who later in life comes to know Christ, and then you go and you reconnect with your old high school friends, and they don't even know the difference. Because, other than a few gray hairs and looking a little older, you're the same. You see, what happens is when Jesus touches our lives, we become a transformed people. He pours his Holy Spirit into our lives and we are indeed transformed. He gifts us with all that we are in order to serve him in his kingdom in so many different ways. And I say all this because, you see, one of the things that we often don't do is we don't connect this whole transformation. We don't connect what Christ is doing for us and to us with the whole realm and the aspect of stewardship. We kind of take stewardship and we slice it off from scripture and we slice it off from everything and we set it way over here and we only talk about it for a couple of weeks a year because we know as church leaders that stewardship makes people uncomfortable. They're going to talk about me giving more money. We have done stewardship a whole disservice when we do that. Because you see, what Christ is doing for us on the cross is stewardship. It is giving his whole life to the service of his Father. It is doing it the will of God in all things, and it's doing it for the benefit of the kingdom and for others. And when Christ calls us to live transformed and changed lives, it is about understanding that the whole of who we are, with all of our resources and the way that God has blessed us in this world, our money, our time, our talents, our energy, the resources that God has entrusted to us, so that we don't hoard it to ourselves as selfish, unchanged, unmade-over people, but rather that we use it as his people to bring glory and honor to his name. To live a transformed life is to be a steward every day, to understand this is where God has placed me, and this is what God is calling me to do, to live that transformed life in Christ. And yet the challenge for us is great because, you see, inertia works really well with people. We like things the way they are, and we don't often deal with change very easily. Case in point, how many of you this morning are sitting pretty close to the same spot you sit every week in church? We like things to be the same. Although there are those changes we do welcome in life, for example, being a grandpa. <clears throat> Jerry texted me yesterday and said, so what do we call you now? What do I call you? Do I call you Grandpa Pastor or Papa Pastor? And I texted back and I said, your majesty will do just fine. And <laughs> he said, I already call you that. He doesn't, but... Change? Let me just lay a little guilt on you folks. I don't do that very often, but I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to play the pity party here just a little bit. Poor Karen Kolke has been working for years to grow the script program in our midst. It's essentially free money to our ministry here with a potential to earn 50-plus thousand dollars a year just by having you change how you shop. Oh, not even really changing how you shop, just using the different way of paying for the things that you purchase. Can we get you to change your patterns and behavior? No. Nope. She's going, Pastor, I don't know what to do to get through to these people. And I say, hey, I've been preaching at them for 12 years. You think, uh, you know. It's a challenge to get us to change. It's a challenge to get us to to shift our thinking from being worldly-focused people to being Christ-centered people. Yes, we come to church on Sundays. And yes, we worship together for an hour or so a week. Unless the sermon's really long, then it might be a couple hours. And then the rest of the week, we kind of just set our Christian faith aside a lot of times. We're not in the Word. We're not in Bible studies. We pray on occasion, but... Not diligently. We don't do always the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And we even are like Peter. We deny Christ because we live in fear. That's not living a transformed life. A transformed life is waking up each day and saying, Lord, today is a new day. I thank you for the day. I don't know what you have in store for me this day, but I know that you have called me by name in the waters of baptism and you have asked me and called me to serve you in word and in deed in all that I do and with every breath that I speak and with who you have made me to be. And that my whole life, my time, my talents, my treasures, my resources belong not to me, but to you, Lord. Help me to use them to your glory. Wow. The challenge to live that way each day is just that, a challenge. But it's also an opportunity, an opportunity to begin to step out on that limb of faith and to trust God. To set aside the worries and the cares of the world and to understand that God has our best interest in mind and that he, he so much loves us that he did send Jesus to die for us. The opportunity each day to serve our Lord doesn't mean that we're going to live everything right. We're still going to mess up at times. But it means that I don't even have to be afraid of that going, oops, I didn't do that right. I don't have to fear that because my life is still held in the hands of a loving and forgiving God. The challenge of being a follower of Jesus Christ is to understand that it's not a part-time job. It's a full-time call. The challenge of being a Christian it's not easy. but it's what Christ calls us to do. The encouragement on this Sunday of the Transfiguration, on the eve of moving into the season of Lent this Wednesday, is to begin to focus on the very cross of Christ, to examine where we're at in our own lives, And to resolve to live no longer for ourselves, but for Christ who died for us. Not by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the word in our lives. It is the prayer of a sinner to say, God, redeem me, forgive me, and change me. Empower me and embolden me by your spirit to make the changes I need to make. Be the steward you have called me to be of my whole life and all of life's resources. Help me each day to live that transformed life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds and the true faith of God in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen.